We are and always will be a nation of immigrants. This is my country, my damn country. Give me my country, you can keep the rest. Old men and women yearning for freedom and opportunity who leave their homelands and come to a new country to start their lives over. We were strangers once too. Hello, 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 aliens and allies. Your friendly Russian is here. This is We the Aliens podcast, and I am your host, Sasha Kapustina. Here, I talk to immigrants who are kicking ass in the U.S. Thank you for tuning in. My guest this week is Mikhail Ronen, and this is part two of our conversation. Please make sure to check out part one, where we talk about Mikhail's migration journey from Israel to England, and then to Germany, and then finally, or maybe not finally, but in the middle of pandemic to the U.S. And you can find episode 44 with Mikhail wherever you're listening right now. Mikhail definitely is a 21st century person. He is an experienced designer, digital event producer, and futurist. He is the founder of Wonderland, an immersive design agency. And he specializes in creating digital spaces that nurture empathy and intimate connection. And in this episode, Mikhail and I talk about some of the specific techniques he uses on Clubhouse. And by the way, before I forget, if you want to join Clubhouse, DM me or email me and I will send you an invite. And here's our chat. Three months, four months ago, November, I joined in Clubhouse as I moved to the U.S. And I couldn't meet anyone outside. So for me, transitioning and seeing people in a virtual space was quite natural. The reason for this is that in the last year since pandemic started, I created an every second Saturday a party on Zoom with a collective of artists called Core Reality. And we created 12 hours parties that starts, let's say, in 8 p.m. Berlin and start in the sunset in Berlin and end in the sunset in L.A. And then it became the digital playa. And then I continue working with the Burning Man uh, and advising them about digital intimacy. So I created a lot of experiences where people can come together and somehow feel like they're sharing a real space, a real party. We really um, started touching um, you know, the, the idea of getting intimate and, and getting to know people in the digital space. Uh, this in, in November, I brought a lot of that into my work in Clubhouse. And in Clubhouse, I tried to explore an old concept I had for a long time to do a gym for the social muscle mm -hmm. uh, by creating the social play. Growing empathy and the art of conversation. And we do it by playing with different people that, you know, clubhouse people come in between rooms all the time, listen, and sometimes talk on stage. With us, we want them less to talk about themselves or generally to talk, but more to play. And unlike other games in the world where you have to compete or kill each other or whatever, here this is a game where you work on synchronicity, on shared intention, on consent, on creativity, on silliness and playfulness, on unity and solidarity. And we have different types of uh, mechanisms that we created for this social play. And it works so well in the audio form that I really got used to just being in an audio space suddenly. Mm. 
I went back to not looking at the how and at the pose, you know, the posing of Instagram, the videos of YouTube. Let me show you the Facebook, you know, calling you the Twitter, like being in the Hyde Park in London, shouting out, oh, I'm the smartest. Suddenly being authentically you with your little voice mm -hmm. <laughs> in a space and listening. Most of the time listening. This is so... So suddenly in this medium, it felt that it makes a lot. Now Clubhouse, it's going to be two things. It's a feature that everyone are now imitating in every space, like they have with the features of the stories, like what we saw with Snapchat. Mm -hmm. So now the, the clubhouse will be everywhere. But also it's a community because there were decisions. Mm -hmm. And there was people who were there in the beginning who created some culture. And there's like an idea of serendipity of people meeting without judgment, which is very special. I do have other questions there. But I am really curious about this um concept of we versus me, because I think one of the things that pandemic has shown us is that societies where the uh, general culture and general mentality is more communal, uh, they deal with the pandemic better than, for example, American society that is very individualistic. And uh, I know that you're trying to bring it in here. And I'm wondering, how do you feel about coming into the American culture with this sort of foreign concept that is often kind of uh, looked down upon or sometimes looked upon as a um as um as dangerous you know like it's it's a slippery slope into communism all this communal thing what do you what do you feel about that i know i think yes and no because america is such a it's such an absurd because on one hand it's true it's where each one can make it it's the land of capitalism if anyone can make it like the self-branding right building yourself and uh, you know pushing with your armpits maybe others non-solidarity just yourself but on the other hand you have 250 people who 250 million i don't know how many right now who call themselves 300 million right now if, if you count everyone yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that are saying that are saying that they're Americans. So, I mean, the idea of like connecting to something and brotherhood and being there for each other. I can tell you also after being in Berlin for a while, people here are taking care of their neighbors. So I have a feeling that there is a, a feeling of, uh, mm, yeah, there is, there's something that ties in people here, which is magical, and I'm still trying to understand. Even if it looks like just a capitalistic dream or something, there's something here about innovation. In many ways, it reminds me of Israel, of mm -hmm. course. And what are some of those things that remind you of Israel? I mean, Israel is uh, one of the states of the United States, no? I always say that Israel is the place where uh, the Cold War kind of mixed the the America and the Soviet Union. There's It's an American state with a bunch of Russians in it. Yeah, the Cold War hasn't unfreezed yet in the Middle East. Yeah. But how is America similar to Israel? Isn't Israel one of the states of the United States? <laughs> Are you asking me? <laughs> of course, it's the same country, no? Do you actually feel that way? I mean, I, I would never say that. Isn't that kind of insulting to Israel? Insulting? Why insulting? We rely on America. If America was not here, <laughs> who would support us? The Europeans? The Europeans tried to kill us. 
<laughs> that's the, the Israeli mindset. Wow, that's very that's very upfront. Uh, I don't think every Israeli would admit that like that or even word it like that. Also, not every Israeli would say he's a Jew from Palestine. That is true. That is true. <laughs> well, you're definitely not every Israeli. That's for sure. You said empathy is a muscle. And I have here uh, a question. Is empathy a skill? Because I am very much into empathy. And I think it's the biggest thing that is missing everywhere, anywhere in the world. And if I have a mission in this life is to create more empathy. And so I'm very much curious what you think about it and how you... work towards creating more empathy so also because empathy was also misused and somehow like you have whitewashing greenwashing you have empathy washing also the word play have been misused and became other things in our life that are not constructive so to create uh, empathy I, I go first from the circle of synchronizing people in the space then creating a shared intention in the space then crossing the barrier between seriousness to silliness this threshold and then creating a, an embodiment exercise that we feel the humanity of each person in the room that we know that we are all sharing a space mm-hmm. can you hear my son yes I can it's part of the soundscape <laughs> one second let me take care of it I do want to ask you like in clubhouse I know because people come and have those immediate conversations, Sometimes stuff gets heated. I've been present in rooms where conversations would get intense and people would try to mediate that. I was wondering if any of those animosities and intensity has come up in your rooms and how do you deal with that? Yeah, it's a good question. First of all, obviously not because we create safe spaces and we are creating inclusive spaces. Mm-hmm. So conflict is a result of... Um, Not aligning, not synchronizing, not seeing the shared intention, not being vulnerable, right? You go into these spaces where you are um, seeing yourself different from the other and seeing the other points of view as something that threatens you. And um, debate, the art of debate, it seems so important to us. It's became like the thesis and the antithesis. It's like it's become the center of all our academic thinking and everything. But even in entrepreneurism, if you think about the founders who get the uh, equity and then the investors, but the community, the majority, like in Clubhouse, which is the social human capital, that's the most, doesn't get, it's being commodified, it doesn't get the equal space in the pie. And this is all because um, mm. of what you mentioned before of the cultural symptoms of where it's coming from right the culture of the I I but it's something that is um, that we all um, that we all wish for that during the pandemic we even felt it stronger and we've been uh, it's beyond loneliness um, it's really what makes us greater in the many <laughs> like the our our purpose in being social not just like our recreation spaces have gone away remote work i mean one of the things i'm doing within the professional space the most now is working with companies to build their culture and to work on the team working remotely in a virtual space because a lot of companies are just you know mental challenges but people don't want to go back commuting to the office every day for hours so It's, there's a conflict. How do you bring the essence of being social at work to a virtual environment? 
that's where the social play actually made a lot of sense. And actually, especially in the audio format, because people are burned out from being in front of the screen all day and looking in the screen and looking in their phone. So a lot of our environments, we switch off and we take the earphone and we move somewhere in the space, go choose a book in your library and choose an object that is broken in your environment or uh, you know, maybe draw something in the kitchen or maybe dance to your fridge or whatever it is. We are all home in most cases and we are in our spaces and we can do things that are both playful, bring intimacy and not just like being stuck in front of a screen. Wow, that's so fun. That's so interesting. And certainly it feels like that's going to be the future. Can we just go back and you break it down a little bit? For me? Sure. So um, it starts with synchronizing the room because people come from different energies, from different backgrounds. And then we create um, a shared intention. Mm -hmm. And then we go into a space where we, uh, again, it really depends and there's various type of exercises, but the idea is uh, going between the space of talking about myself and the seriousness and this to the outside of the brain and then doing it collectively. And then from there, you can step into slowly vulnerability, not before you go through consent. So we understand our borders and our ability to allow other people to set their borders. We're ready to go to embodiments and then we go into the role play where there we choose like a broken object or something in our space. And we start talking as this, we embody this form and we slowly go into different experiences. Uh, the deeper we go, the more trust we create. And usually in Clubhouse, it's an open space so people can come in. Uh, but with team and universities, of course, it's closed circles. And, you know, it helps people just to socialize because the idea of socializing has been gone. But also in the same time, they're practicing things they haven't done before, like uh, empathy and uh, emotional intelligence. And it's wonderful to see it. people go and fix broken objects, call their grandparents, call their exes, <laughs> change their life. And uh, it's all coming from the metric of support. Uh, as a result of the games of everyone together, it's a collective mind. It's literally what is created there. Also, we are trying to slowly build a facilitator program with people who played a lot and want to help because it's like a movement of play. So more people wanted to move that, especially in Clubhouse, that more languages we just did it in Hebrew today. The other day they wanted to do it now in German. So we slowly bring it to more languages. So uh, the idea of the same club, uh, enabling people in different communities to play based also on mother tongue if they want. Because again, especially in Clubhouse, there's an inclusivity question because the app, like anything else in Silicon Valley is US centric. I mean, it is in other countries and other countries are using it a lot. I'm, Helpful, helpful in the Israeli community, in the German community uh, for growth. But uh, in the end, it's very difficult because people have to, you know, follow uh, the culture that is created and uh, appointed in California and Silicon Valley. And there is not enough awareness of, of that, of the diversity uh, of, um, you know, enabling more voices to be heard and the focus on those voices. We need to hear the truth from everyone. So when I say that the big goal or the intention of the social play club is to find the art of conversation, it's because I do feel that once we all share the same language as humans and slowly we created cultures like the Babylon Tower. And now we have so many rooms on the, on the clubhouse hallway. 
you know, but the essence of it is to try and talk with each other, not to talk to each other, <laughs> but maybe to talk with each other. Uh, it's interesting, how can we uh, complete this puzzle? Something when you're entering a room is beyond yourself. It's there for you to become part of. So um, it's a lot about culture of moderation and culture of new users where we are looking at because that's where the culture is being created. When someone is new on this application, we try to onboard them with the art of play so they will be empathetic in their journey and they will not start by thinking that they need to self-grow with millionaires on this app. And when people come in that they already need moderation or clubs, we try to show them how to be an inclusive moderator through play so they know that they're not just the stars of the pyramid that they have on their club, but that they are the facilitators for everyone to talk in the room. And where we put the focus. I certainly, I certainly feel that that work is important on Clubhouse because I have come on it a little later than you have. And my experience has been uh, mixed because I have encountered some of that clickiness and, oh, this is, This is a club of people who already know each other and they're not really interested that much in including sometimes. Not always, but th there is some of that. Yeah, I would say I'm an extinct species in Clubhouse. Well, you're unique. You're not, I don't know if you're a species. I think you're just a, a, a specimen. We've talked about a lot of things and I kept you way longer than I was supposed to. And I want to let you go and, you know, make time for your kids and your work. Um, is there anything that you would like to, to bring up? Is there anything I missed? No, I'm, I'm really open for collaboration. If people think that what they heard here resonates, so feel free to DM me. My DMs are open on LinkedIn and on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, yeah, I'm very happy both to work with people on play. And if you have any remote people you're working with, be kind and uh, just DM me and we can talk. And from there, I'm uh, really thankful. Thank you so much, Sasha. I am so grateful to you for sharing your craft and art of creating empathy. I think that's one of the most beautiful and most important things in this world. And uh, thank you. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Again, make sure to check out part one of my conversation with Mikhail, wherever you're listening right now. Find Mikhail on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on Clubhouse. And let us know what you think about the podcast. Subscribe to our weekly newsletter and get some of our merch. We have t-shirts, we have hoodies, we have coffee mugs, we have all the great stuff. And all the links are in the show notes and on our website. And last but not least, don't forget to share the show with a friend. I don't know, someone who's on Clubhouse and annoying the hell out of you? Or someone who is not on Clubhouse despite you telling them all the great things about it? Or someone who's like me? hoping to maintain the human touch as we're all falling down the web 3.0 rabbit hole. Just click share and text them a link. And remember, we're here to stay. We'll find our way. Thank you for listening. Have a great week. Keep staying safe. Love you all. Peace. Country, you can keep the rest. This is my country, my damn country, and it don't mean a thing.